When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Okay, well, the Battle of Alberta lasted five games. No, no matter who people picked along the way, I saw most prognosticators thinking it would go six or even seven. Shows you what we all know once they actually get on the ice and play. And it wouldn't be a Battle of Alberta without a little controversy that is probably going to stay us uh, stay with us for years decades centuries who knows how long because john shannon checks in for a special podcast only edition of inside sports with the elks playing in winnipeg on friday night john how are you doing man i'm great read you i'm doing very well uh a lot to talk about with you first of all um big david made the big play uh what's what, what did our john madden used to say great players made great yeah. plays and great games and i guess mcdavid who by his own account, didn't have uh, a very good opening 60 minutes of the game, made the big play in overtime. You know, it was it was fascinating to me that uh, at least a couple of the Oilers stars, McDavid and Kane, just appear to have hit a wall in game five. Uh, and whatever they tried, uh, whether it uh, was at the, uh, at the offensive end or anywhere on the ice, either the Flames were... Uh, in their way, or they just they just didn't have that extra effort, and and you can't, I mean, they, you can't fault them, uh, but the amount of energy spent uh, through the first four games, you could see both of them reaching for the puck as opposed to skating to the puck, um, and then when when Connor admitted post game that yes, no, I, I wasn't very good, uh, you knew that at some point. Uh, that he was going to be a factor, and he was a factor uh, in that split second in, in overtime. And the first thing that came to mind to me, Reed, was and because we often reflect back to uh, the great teams of the 1980s. Uh, here we are in the same arena, uh, in the playoffs, in overtime, uh, and in 1988, it was Wayne Gretzky over Mike Vernon's shoulder. Uh, that was game two, uh, not game five. And there, here we are, Connor McDavid in game five in the Saddle Dome against Jacob Markstrom. To me, and and both of them, you could really hear the, 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 the clink of the puck hitting the post before it went in. Yeah, huge goal. And by the way, the Oilers uh, had lost six consecutive games in overtime in the playoffs, despite having McDavid and Dreisaitl on the roster. So uh, that's another. Well, they're so used to playing three on three overtime. Yeah, it's five a little on different. Five. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little different. Okay, so let's let's dive into one of the talking points. And there are probably, well, not probably, there are several thousand Flames fans who have been saying since last night that game shouldn't have been in overtime. Or if it did get there, it should have been the Oilers who were forced to tie it late in the third period after Blake Coleman scored. Mm -hmm. A lot of discussion about that play. I, I was watching the game with Mooner up top at the broadcast booth at, at Rogers Place, and it took us uh, a couple of tries to figure out what they were reviewing. When we sort of got the sense there was an extra beat or two and the puck wasn't being dropped, 
Mooner said, were they offside? Because there was a Calgary player who had to make sure he stayed onside. And then they flashed to the people at the bench and it was the referees looking at the video. And I said, I wonder if they think the goal might've been dislodged by when Coleman crashed into it before the puck went in. And then we realized, wait a minute, they're looking at a skate. The longer and longer they looked, the more I thought something might be up and come out of this in the Oilers favor. Um, I've got a lot of different reactions from a lot of different people <laughs> since, since it happened. I know you talked to some people who are uh, very connected to the situation. What's your read on the decision here, John? Well, two things. Uh, at the moment, uh, I, I knew something was fishy. Uh, and I knew something was fishy because Ryan Nugent Hopkins pointed on the ice uh, 12 or 13 feet away from Blake Coleman. He pointed to something. You knew something was up, uh, comparable uh, in many ways to what happened in Florida with John and Jonathan Huberdeau last week when he pointed the puck bouncing off the, 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 the netting. But Nugent Hopkins r- saw something right away, which, which really kind of triggered me to say, hey, they are looking at something. And because it was the referees, you knew it wasn't offside. Um, and then it, it became pretty obvious that, yes, it was going to be a kick a decision. It wasn't a challenge. It was an actual review of a situation, which is different than a challenge. And there's a different criteria for the, for the challenge. Um, so from that perspective, what I can tell you is that there wasn't one dissenting vote in the situation room. The moment it went in around the room, senior officials of the NHL looked at the situation and said, it doesn't feel right. Something's wrong. That looked like a distinct kicking motion. Uh, but they can't make a hasty decision. This is too important. And they took their time. They involved Eric Furlat and Wes McCauley through the situation. Uh, and, and let's face it, uh, what you see with the referees, they're not used to watching multiple replays because they're supposed to judge right away, I- immediately. They called a goal on the play because the puck went in the net. The next seven or eight minutes was put in place to discern how serious the kick was. Uh, you know, the understanding is that the kicking motion does not have to have the boot or the blade off the ice. And therefore, the, uh, the original instincts of those senior people uh, in, the, in the situation room was, you know what, it isn't a goal, it shouldn't be a goal, and we're going to have to retract some time and, and see what happens. And, and so that's how, it, that's how it worked out. It was full discussion. There was unanimity, Reed. There wasn't one dissenting vote of the senior people in the room. Uh, and that's why we ended up at 4-4 and going to extra time because the NHL thought and felt that there was something amiss in what Coleman did with his skate and how the puck eventually got in the net. So my question would be then, and and I like how you explain that, and I think that is important to remember that a distinct kicking motion does not involve swinging at it like you would swing at a soccer ball. If, if If you make if you make an effort to change the trajectory of the puck with your skate, you are deemed by the NHL to have kicked at it. And Coleman actually admitted that he did that in his post-game interview. Right. But we've seen goals and I, you know, people were tweeting out a play last night where there was a centering pass and a player angled his foot and the puck went off his skate and into the net. And that 
counted. So I think there's an issue here with, I think anyway, there's an issue with consistency, perhaps. Perhaps there is. It's been, you know, it's been a very difficult year for, for video review. Remember the last time the Oilers and Flames were in Calgary, we had a, a game where two goals were disallowed. Um, mostly because of referees calls on the ice whistles blown before the puck, which was still active across the goal line. Um, so I, but I would say that, uh, that with the people involved in the decision that, that they weighed every, every aspect of this. And, and I, I, to interject my own personal view on this one too, Reed is, there's also an instinctive part of what Blake Coleman did. When you see the puck that close to your feet, you instinctively move your, move your foot. You do, you, you, you move your ankle, you move, you you don't necessarily have to bend your knee, but you move it instinctively almost. Um, And, and that's, that was part of the occurrence as well, because that, uh, you know, the, 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 the argument that, well, the puck was going in the net anyway, he probably shouldn't have touched it might be valid, but there was still a chance that Cody CC could have reached around him and, and tipped it away before it crossed the goal line. But he definitely moved his skate towards the puck and towards the goal line. And that's why it didn't count period. John Shannon joining me special podcast edition of inside sports on, uh, this Friday, the Elks game is on six thirty. Chet as they start the preseason against Winnipeg. For the Flames, the top line was not their top line. Um, it was not, I mean, I, I said to a buddy this morning, what was the Flames' top line? Maybe the fifth best line in the series. Wondering what you thought, and was that, I know I'm asking you to speculate a little bit, but was that Goudreau's last game as a Calgary Flame? First of all, let's let's go back to what you and I talked about multiple times on the pregame show through the series. We said Michael Backlund had to be one of the best players on the ice. You know what? Through the whole series, Michael Backlund was their best forward by far, their best forward. So he was his line was the number one line, in in my opinion, through the whole series, and certainly perhaps after game one. Um, the the other aspect is is that they you know. Goudreau is going to garner $10 million. You know, Brad Treliving has a challenge to try to find and arrange uh, the deck chairs to get Goudreau $10 million, knowing full well, uh, well, he's an unrestricted free agent. Uh, Matt Kachuk is a a restricted free agent, and he's probably going to, he's already making nine now. He's going to get $10 million. So, I think I think it's still doable uh, in Calgary. And the one thing I would say, um, I think that the loss in Game Five, the loss in this series, uh, might be the unfinished business for Goudreau to stay. Might be the impetus for him to say, you know what, I I do love I do love Calgary, and he does, and he and and you can see his passion for this hockey club. Perhaps, perhaps in the end, with the money as close as it will be between, I think, the Flames and anybody else, perhaps this will be the impetus for Johnny Goodrow to say, I'm going to stay a Calgary Flame because, you know, it did not end right for me there. And the other question is, um, and, and this is one that uh, the other managers and I think even Brad has to ask, uh, we've had another playoff series where he wasn't near the factor that he was in the regular season. 
And how much does that play into how much you pay him? You know, that's he he was he had good spurts in the Dallas series. Uh, every flame forward played great in the in in game one. Um, the start of game two was okay, uh, but then to your point about the number one line, it did disappear uh, for a great deal in the rest of the series. Remember, the Oilers won four straight games, Reed, mm-hmm. four consecutive games, um, which nobody, I don't think anybody would have ever predicted. Um, so you have to wonder if that has any factor in how much money Goodrow gets. All right, John, uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, I really appreciate your perspective. And uh, we get to speak at least four more times on the face-off show and hopefully many more, man. It's going to be fun. Looking forward to it. I, I And by the way, I am just happy the Canadian Football League is back playing. Uh, what a relief that is. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.